The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wilson avoids the sack for the moment and throws into no man's land. The crowd is excited here because you've got Chris Streveler in the game. And he hands the ball off. And then he keeps it himself and takes it up to the 19-yard line. Good uh, Good faking right there. Fake me. Yeah, yeah, right. And that, that's what he's really known for in the first time he came in. Keeps it again. Little dump pass. And the crowd finally has something to cheer about. Since it's so close to Christmas, I actually feel bad starting the show with that. But we got to take the stories as they come and we got to follow them where they go and follow us for the next two hours here on PFT Live presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Hello to Shereen Williams on a Friday morning, an hour earlier than it is here. And I know how hard it was for me to get up to go at seven so we always appreciate you getting up to go at six how are you today merry christmas happy holidays two days before the big day mike what are you getting for christmas that's right i don't know i want a dog i keep Another telling my dog? wife i want a dog and one of these one of these years she's going to take me up on it and i'm going to wish she hadn't because i want a dog that follows <laughs> me around the way that macy our dog follows her around but if we would get another dog it would just be two dogs following her around everywhere she goes. That's how it would go. But I'm just happy to get whatever Santa may leave under the tree. It's about family and being together and also football with three games for the first time ever on a Christmas day, culminating in the game that confirms somebody was naughty this year, Tampa Bay at Arizona for a nationally televised (laughs) audience. But hey, hey, it's still football. And as I said yesterday, 
it may be our last chance to ever see Tom Brady. If they don't make the playoffs, it could be his yeah. final nationally televised game, assuming he retires next year, which may not be an accurate assumption. Anyway, anyway, the show is PFT Live, and we are live on Peacock, Sirius XM85. And, Shereen, I don't want to make you nervous, not that you ever are, but Fridays are the days that we are live on Sky Sports NFL in the U.K. and in Ireland. They're eating their lunch. They're enjoying their day, and they're – learning some more about the National Football League. So please don't swear. I know you have a propensity to <laughs> curse like a proverbial sailor. Please try to refrain yourself for the next two hours as we as we get through all I'll the try. happenings of the NFL. Although if you had any Jets fan in you, you probably wouldn't be able <laughs> yes. to control yourself. I will say this, though. That was one of the more exciting 19-3 to games I've ever seen, if that's even possible. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you, Mike, because it's not one of those games where you sit there and go, oh, this is just horrible, this is boring, whatever. I mean, the Jets fans, to me, <laughs> made it kind of fun. I mean, those were mock cheers there at the end when Strebler was doing what he was doing. They'd pick up a first down, and you hear all the cheers like they just scored a touchdown. So it kept me entertained, I'll say that, till the very end. I don't know. If at first, I thought it was real. I was surprised, number one, that so many people had stayed. First, yeah. I was surprised they were even there in the first place. They, but yeah. going in, you, you had hope, right? Even after three straight losses, it's seven and seven, you're alive. Now, it's going to be a lot harder now that they've lost. But to show up is one thing. To stay is really the impressive part. To not yeah. storm out of there at halftime. To not exit to the vehicles when Zach Wilson continues to be the quarterback in the third quarter because it just wasn't working. And the thing that impressed me the most, if we can get the still frame of it, the fan with the sign. Yeah. It says all I want for 20 for Christmas is for a new quarterback other than Zach Wilson in 2023. I'm not getting it exactly right because that would be a lot to fit on a sign. But it was a lot on the sign. There it is. All I want in 2023 is for Zach not to be our quarterback exclamation point wrapped in plastic to protect <laughs> it from the elements. That is next level preparation. Yes. And the look on the face. Now, obviously, the person didn't know that. They were being, you know, filmed, so no reason to smile. But no reason to smile anyway. So that was probably the look all night long for Jets fans at MetLife Stadium, Shireen. Yeah, it sure was, Mike. And and who knows what the future holds. But it's obvious those fans are tired of Zach Wilson and ready for a new quarterback to lead them. And it's obvious that the Jets aren't going to make the playoffs this season. And I think they had high hopes after the way the team started. and, And now they don't. So, um, who knows what the future holds for this team, this quarterback, but I think we know what the immediate future is for, for the Jets, and it doesn't include the playoffs. For them, unfortunate two days before Christmas, Mike, that they already have that feeling that they're not going to be there in the end. And we're going to break all this down and talk about what happened last night, but something that just occurred to me that ties together a couple of different ongoing stories in the NFL. The Jets continue to get it badly wrong whenever they decide to use one of those scratch-off lottery tickets in round one on a quarterback. Mark Sanchez ultimately didn't work out, although at one point he had racked up four straight road playoff wins, which was and I think still may be a record, although with Tom Brady still hanging around. No, he he picked up three in one year, so I, I assume Brady has beaten him, but it was a career record at one point when Sanchez had four playoff wins on the road in his first two NFL seasons, for crying out loud. Then 
they get Sam Darnold. Trade up from 6-3 to three with the Colts to get Sam Darnold. Darnold doesn't work out. Now Zach Wilson doesn't work out. And this is a difficult analysis because is it the player? Is it the coaching staff? Is it the organization? Is it the circumstance? Whatever it may be. Here's my point. I wrote something about this a couple of weeks ago on PFT, and there's been a lot of talk about NIL this week, thanks to Dabo Swinney, who said something I still don't quite fully understand. But but with the money that high-end quarterbacks are now in a position to make playing college football, they will be better equipped to tell a team like the Jets, sorry, don't draft me. Don't draft me or trade this pick and get what you can because I'm not signing with you. Because I got $10 million in the bank. I don't need your $22 million signing bonus, which is what Zach Wilson got 2021. So it's, it's something to keep an eye on because, yes, Zach Wilson has failed to live up to his expectations. And this wasn't some reach by the Jets. This wasn't some crazy, oh, what are they thinking pick. Everyone regarded him as number two behind Trevor Lawrence. Everyone. It just hasn't worked out. But. If any of this falls on the Jets, the way they've handled it, and they haven't handled it well this year, let's just call it what it is. They have not handled this situation well. You got to start worrying about the message that sends to anyone else out there in the future that you may want to pick with a first-round selection at quarterback if you're the Jets. They better clean this up, and they better handle this properly, or they may have themselves in a spot where – the next time they earn the number two overall pick or number one or number three or wherever and they want a quarterback, that quarterback may say, no, thank you, Shereen. Well, and Mike, you know, there's several things that make this more glaring even than just Zach Wilson not proving so far anyway that he was worthy of that number two overall pick. And and one is the player that he played against last night, and that's Trevor Lawrence because they came out in the same draft. So you're watching these two quarterbacks they're playing against each other and and Lawrence has taken that next step we've seen it this year we've seen the progress that he's made over these last seven games this five and two stretch that has them in the midst of winning a division championship if they win their last two games so I think that's part of it here's another thing the Pro Bowl came out Wednesday. Who was on that Pro Bowl list? Geno Smith, a guy the Jets had and, and sent away. And just one of the many Got quarterbacks that is – Yeah, well, as the, as the quarterbacks cycle through there, he's one guy who did change when he went somewhere else. And if you're the Jets, that's kind of what you worry about too is if you send this guy off and he's better than what you thought, it sure does look bad on your organization that you weren't able to develop this guy – and and have a good quarterback that you spent all this draft capital plus the money you spent on him with two fully guaranteed years left on that contract. So, yeah, to me, this is just glaring, and it was more glaring with what we've seen over this week. And combined with that, what Brock Purdy has just stepped in and done with the 49ers. Because I guarantee you the Jets think they have a team good enough to go to the postseason. It's the quarterback. It's solely on the quarterback. Geno Smith was not a first-round pick. He lingered into round two, but it was the same idea. This is our next guy. This is the guy who's going to take us to where we've been trying to go for 50-plus years, our next Joe Namath. I know they've had other decent quarterbacks along the way, but they haven't had a Super Bowl champion. They haven't even been in a Super Bowl since Super Bowl III. 
the Geno Smith, I'm glad you mentioned him because this, look, I, I understand, and I wrote about this last night because it was bugging me, the whole Zach Wilson thing, and we'll dig into more details of the game, but this is, we're trying to take what everyone else is talking about and spin it forward. You can put on any other show right now and they'll say, Zach Wilson's bad. Okay, where do we go from here? We can all stipulate that Zach Wilson is not performing at a sufficiently high level, regardless of the reason, and there may be many. But the Jets now have to decide what to do. On one hand, you double down or triple down. And some very smart people in football will always say, the worst thing you can do when you've made a mistake is refuse to admit it and compound it by trying to justify it, by trying to will it into not a mistake. No, we're not going to admit we made a mistake. We're going to keep going forward with this plan that isn't working. And that feels like where the Jets are right now, at least as of last night, as they kept him in and kept him in and kept him in. We are going to make this work. We have to make this work because he was second overall pick in the draft. Okay, that's that's the way a dysfunctional team does it. The Geno Smith reference you made, Shireen, caused me to think of this. The fact that Geno Smith did well somewhere else should make the Jets want to find a way to give Zach Wilson a fresh start so that when they are in a position in the future, and inevitably they will be, to use a first, second, or third overall pick on a quarterback, that's an argument in their favor. If it doesn't work out, we're not going to force you to stay here. We're not going to continue to wreck your career if we get to the point where objectively anyone paying attention to this knows it just needs to end. We're not going to treat you that way. We're going to find another place where you can continue your career, and then it's on you to try to turn it around. That's going to be hard for them to accept because it looks bad for them if they give up on Zach Wilson and he becomes a pro bowler somewhere else. But at a a deeper level, it may be the only way they can salvage a relationship from the get-go with their next would-be Joe Namath high-level draft pick, because I'm telling you, it's time for the Jets to be thinking about that long-term. Not necessarily the current GM or the head coach. This is an ownership issue that they need to understand, because they're the ones who will be there the next time there's a one, two, or a three pick that goes to the Jets at quarterback. It's, just, it's, it's a real issue that hasn't happened yet for any team, or it hasn't happened since Eli Manning in 2004, but this new NIL reality is going to make it more common. Jets need to be thinking about it. So great call on Geno Smith, because that tells me the right thing for the Jets to do is just declare that it's over and give the kid a chance to go become who he can be somewhere else. Yeah, they, it's an interesting, and I don't know if it's dilemma, it could because both sides of a dilemma are bad, but it's an interesting decision, at least, that the Jets have to make. And it's a question of do you go maybe get a bridge-type quarterback and either keep him there or not? Mike White's a free agent. To me, you re-sign Mike White, but do you go get a Jimmy Garoppolo or take a run at Tom Brady or, or something like that and have you a quarterback uh, who you feel like you can win with, because I know the Jets feel like they have the talent to, to win and the talent to win now. And they showed that earlier in the season. They were winning. They were playing really good football and beating some good teams. So I think they do have the team, especially when they get that running game going again next year, when they're fully healthy there in the offensive line and at running back. I think they can run the ball really well. So that's a question they're going to face. Like, who do you? It, it, it's always Mike. When you change quarterbacks, you've got to find somebody better. 
And if you can't find somebody better, then you stick with the guy who you think can be better. So they've got to figure out first, I guess, make that move of, all right, we've got to figure out who our quarterback is going to be. And, and then we decide what to do with Zach Wilson. In, in other words, it's sort of like the Rams decided to move on from Jared Goff, but they waited to find out who that quarterback was going to be until they actually moved on from Jared Goff. And they got Matthew Stafford to replace Jared Goff. And they made that decision that he's not going to get us over the hump. We have to make a move here. And this is the move we're going to make. And they found that quarterback first. So that's what they have to determine is who's that quarterback going to be replaced. We can't just say, well, we're going to get rid of Zach Wilson. Okay, is Mike White? You're going to re-sign Mike White? Or what are you going to do at the quarterback position if you move on from Zach Wilson? I would have agreed with that analysis 100% yesterday. But after seeing Chris Streveler, a guy who has been bouncing around the league, <laughs> got a game yeah. late in the season two years ago with the Cardinals, the dreaded Chris Streveler-John Wolford game late in the 2020 season. He won a great cup in Canada, and he was at the parade with a fur coat and no shirt on underneath. I mean, he's a very unique and engaging and funny guy. And he does have a skill set that, that is a nice change of pace. You can't make that your base offense. But my point is, my point is that after last night, I don't think you worry about who your next quarterback is going to be. Anybody is going to be your next quarterback. It's just not Zach Wilson. That team is so flat and lifeless when Zach Wilson yeah. is out there. And they when when you are that flat and that dead, and that's one of the real non-quantifiable factors of football throw the analytics out the window this is one of those where analytics meets the water's edge when your team has no life when your team has no spark when your team has no juice because of the guy who's on the field at quarterback you're done and i think they're at that point streveler gave the stadium a lift and the players a lift chris streveler all due respect but chris streveler you can throw a rock and get another Chris Streveler if you're the New York Jets. So I'd say today, this isn't about who our quarterback's going to be. This is about finding the most effective and efficient exit ramp for Zach Wilson. For our good, for his good, and for our long-term interest in having good relationships with highly drafted quarterbacks walking through the door. That's what a functional football operation based on 21 years that I've been doing this, and you've been doing this a long time too. But I think we've learned enough about how organizations should and shouldn't operate, mainly by watching all the ones that don't know what they're doing. The move the Jets need to make now is buy to Zach Wilson for his own good, for our own good, and now we go find somebody who can play well at the quarterback position, better than Zach Wilson. But the bar, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know why, and there must be a hell of a story to be told behind the scenes, Shereen. I don't know why it's happened, but it just has. The why doesn't matter when it's staring you in the face that this is just a mess at the quarterback position when Zach Wilson's on the field. It, the only way the why matters is if it's going to affect that next quarterback because, as you said, Mike, you've now failed with three first-round quarterbacks, the last three that you've selected in Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold, and now Zach Wilson. So if it's an organizational thing, then maybe it's time to move on at, at some other positions too uh, in that hierarchy. 
maybe it's not just Zach Wilson. Maybe it's an organizational problem, but they'll, they'll have to decide that moving forward. And you're right. I had written down here. It's not like he was replaced by a veteran quarterback. A su- they have one on the sideline, a veteran quarterback with Super Bowl on his resume. But the two guys who replaced him are Chris Slever, <laughs> Strevler, and Mike White. So you're right. It's not like a, a guy's come in and, and just lit it up behind, you know, behind him who has a veteran pedigree, pedigree. It's not that at all. It's two guys that are journeymen in the NFL who've come in and, and done that. So, you know, I, I just think that the Jets are in an interesting position right now in, in that they have the every position – pretty much taken care of except that quarterback position. And now it's finding that guy who can get you where you want to go because they, this does feel like a team that's a quarterback away. And you made the point, Mike, in the first half of this game, it felt like this was a team that had no faith in their quarterback and the quarterback had no faith in the team. So, yeah, it, it, it's probably time to find somebody else who you have faith in to lead you where you want to go and where you think you – were supposed to go this year. I mean, they thought they were a playoff team this year, and they looked like a playoff team this year until the last couple of weeks. And here's what's amazing, and you're absolutely right. They've lost four in a row for the first time under Robert Sala. They have lost five of the last six. The only win came against the Chicago Bears, and they are sinking like a stone in the AFC standings. And we will get to the Jaguars, folks. The Jaguars need to be celebrated. We'll get there. But the more pressing story is – this complete and total failure of the second overall pick in the 2021 draft and where we go from here. And you've touched on this idea of whose fault it is. And I think that this is one of those where there will be a lot of different factors into the stew when it's all said and done. Partially the quarterback, partially the coaching, partially the maybe we shouldn't have drafted him in the first place. Maybe we should have traded down a little bit and gotten, oh, I don't know, Michael Parsons because he fits with what we want to do defensively. He could have been Bobby Wagner and more in the cover three defense that Robert Saul is trying to implement in New York. But here's what dawned on me as you were mentioning that, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened. Mike Tannenbaum was the GM when Mark Sanchez was drafted. John Idzik was the GM when Geno Smith was drafted. Mike McCagnan was the GM when Sam Darnold was drafted. Joe Douglas, the GM, when Zach Wilson was drafted. There's only one common thread through the past 15 years. And this is the one that Jets fans will not want to process. Because this is the thing that is inescapable. When you are an ardent supporter of a chronically bad team, the common thread is ownership. Yeah. And the dysfunction for so many franchises flows from the top down. And there isn't one specific thing. It is just the owner doesn't know what he or she is doing. And it manifests itself in all sorts of ways that come together and turn your team into something that can't consistently compete, can't consistently contend, and can't consistently win. And you know what, Shereen? I don't think Woody Johnson's going to roll out of bed today and say, I'm the problem here. I think I'll cash out. I don't think that's going to happen. No. Yeah. I think you're right there, Mike. So what do you, if you're the Jets, what do you, what do you do? If you're, if you're right now, you're in ownership, 
What decision do you make, Mike? What's your next move for this team? Well, see, unfortunately, I'm reminded of the first time I ever read the back of a bottle of shampoo. And it says instructions, lather, rinse, rinse yeah. repeat. Rinse, repeat. Uh, that's, I mean, what, what do you, what, I mean, what can you do if you're not going to acknowledge that the problem here is ownership and that a new owner would maybe be the only way to finally turn this team around? Of course, then you got to get an owner that, you know, actually would, would be a good and this is we're getting to that time of year where we're going to be talking about this a lot, how there are so many dysfunctional owners and the only requirement yeah. for owning an NFL team is having enough money to write the check. You don't have to know anything about football. You don't have to know anything about running a sports organization. You don't have to know anything about anything. You just have to have enough money to buy the team. That's it. So uh, this is an example of it. And, and I think that, look, my, my, my concern is that they've mishandled Zach Wilson to the point where Robert Sala is going to blame Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas is going to blame Robert Sala, and that's not going to be good for anyone. And that's another hallmark of a dysfunctional team. Here's where the dysfunction is originating with the Jets. And this is, this is clearly ownership's fault. How many times have we seen GM gets fired instead of the coach? Coach gets fired instead of the GM. Only one time did they get rid of everybody, and that was Idzik and Rex Ryan. And we thought when John Idzik got hired, he'd at least be able to hire a coach. He got fired with Rex Ryan. But you have to have that sense of together. And I've yet to detect anything publicly that there's friction between Robert Saul and Joe Douglas, but the way that this is all played out tells me it can't be that the front office and the coaching staff are on the same page. And I think Joe Douglas loses this tug of war if it comes down to it. Because I think Robert Saul has done enough that he's the guy. If that's what Woody Johnson's thinking, and I bet that's what he's thinking today. He's not thinking there should be a new owner. He's thinking there should be a new coach and or a new GM because somebody needs to take the fall for this failure. So I'm going to fire the guy who, who decided to draft Zach Wilson. I really do think, number one, a takeaway from this beyond the future of Zach Wilson. I think Joe Douglas needs to be worried that he's not going to be there after the regular season ends, especially if they don't find a way into the playoffs. If they find a way into the playoffs, that changes everything. But I think seven and eight, practical matter, not mathematically eliminated, but practical matter, they're done. Yeah. So in 17 days, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, we're going to be talking possibly about Joe Douglas being out. And I haven't heard that. I just think that's a logical, commonsensical way to analyze the situation. Well, you know what else makes this glaring, Mike, as you were saying that? Think back a year ago. We would have been saying these, or I'm sure we did say, these same things about the Jaguars, that they're a dysfunctional organization. It all starts at ownership, and this is a team headed nowhere, about to change coach, or you know, what are they going to do at GM? And now look at where they are. A year later, they fixed that with, with one move that they've made with Doug Peterson has totally changed that team around. And I, I haven't heard Doug Peterson's name mentioned, and maybe it's just now because they're getting back into playoff contention. But what a great job he's done and probably deserves to get into that conversation for Coach of the Year because he's completely turned around that organization, the way we think of the Jaguars, where they're headed right now, how we think of Trevor Lawrence, everything about it has changed in a year for the Jaguars. So you see, Mike, how quickly it can turn around if you do have that quarterback 
that you drafted highly who you feel like can become your franchise quarterback. They've done it. They, they've been there, and they've done it, and they've come out the other end. And I think we're sitting here right now thinking this is a really good team headed toward a positive future where they have a chance to win some Super Bowls. Another former Eagles coach who has at least taken a team to a Super Bowl lands somewhere else and has an immediate positive impact. Not Chip Kelly because he didn't take a team to a Super Bowl, but Andy Reid did. And I remember after Andy Reid's first season in Kansas City, I thought, Shereen, he's going to get people fired. That's a problem. Years like Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, an established veteran coach comes in and immediately turns it around, that gets other coaches fired because that makes other owners think, I can do the same thing. And, and see, this is, this is the challenge. Predicting the eventual decisions of the dysfunctional because I could see Woody Johnson decide, I'll just fire Robert Sala and go hire some other coach who may be out there who can come in and turn this around. There's a fundamental difference between Robert Sala and Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer was arguably the worst NFL coach not named Bobby Petrino or Rich Kotite, if we want to go back to a disaster that the Jets endured at one point. But it's not a coaching thing. I really don't think it's – but that, that. But look, yeah. this is a, the organization is charged with getting to the bottom of this. You almost want to hire an outside investigator to come in and, and, <laughs> and pay this person by the hour to find out yeah. what happened before you can make a good decision. Because if you're Woody Johnson, how do you even know? And you're never going to get a straight answer from anybody because they've all got their own little turf to protect. It's not my fault. It's his fault. It's not my fault. It's his fault. It's not our fault. It's the quarterback's fault. So this is a huge, huge, huge mess. All right. I think, and again, we haven't talked about the game very much, but as I said, you could turn on any channel when you hear that. I don't think you're hearing that. That sounds like I'm being an ass, but I think it's true. We're trying to push this thing forward. These are tough, difficult decisions. They repeat themselves for the bad teams. This is why folks say there's only 10 teams you have to worry about in any given year in the NFL because the rest of them don't know what the hell they're doing. The Jets have been in the the we-don't-know-what-the-hell-we're-doing category for a very, very long time. And Jets fans will agree with me. And they should be glad that we're waving this flag because this may be the only way to get it to ever change. Here's Robert Sala from last night on his decision to finally remove Zach Wilson from the game and go with the former CFL quarterback Chris Streveler change up to get the run game going obviously i know zach was struggling um but he you know strevler came in he ran a couple of plays sparked the offense uh got the explosive play and uh and so it just snowballed in, in a good way for uh strev and um so we just wanted to give him an op- opportunity to try to finish that drive by the time you know by the time we got it back again same thing we just said you know we're already here let's just keep going with strev couldn't get the run game going again uh protection wasn't as as good as we wanted to wanted it to be um Obviously, there was a couple of missed throws. Uh, it was collective coaching all the way down. I feel like he has gotten better, but um, obviously we got to go show it on the football field. But, again, it's a collective thing. Uh, starts with coaching. But um, uh, either way, it wasn't close to good enough today. Did you consider pulling him at halftime, Robert? Say it again. Did you consider pulling him at halftime? Uh, no, I wasn't considering pulling him at halftime. I uh, Again, the, the the intent was to just kind of spark the run game. It was still a two-score game, spark the run game, get that thing going. Uh, we had a, we came into the game, especially with the the, the weather, uh, with the weather forecast, ended up being a great day. But um, 
of a package of plays for Strev uh, to, to just try to utilize the run game in the event that it really got out of hand with the weather. And, uh, and with that package, he, you know, we moved right down the field, had him on their heels. Uh, obviously, we didn't finish the drive, but um, but he, he sparked the offense, so we just want to keep it going. Keep your head up. He's got to keep working. Uh, we haven't seen the last of him. See, I just wonder what really is going on behind the scenes in the organization. Yeah. I think Robert Sala is probably of the mindset that this isn't going to work, but there are other forces. Remember last week when they knew damn well Mike White wasn't going to play in Sunday's game against the Lions, and they held that close to their vest all week long. And then midweek, coincidentally, as Coach Sala said, Zach Wilson jumps Joe Flacco for number two on the depth chart. But it has nothing to do with the circumstance with Mike White having a rib injury. I think it did, and I think there were others saying we have to do this. Maybe all the way at the top, maybe just Joe Douglas. I mean, Joe Douglas realizes, I think, I think he realizes this was my pick. I may go down with this ship. I better see if this ship can float. This may be the only way to save me is to have this kid go out there and play well. Well, Sunday to Thursday, not well and worse. And uh, I, I, I like the argument that you have Strevel already if the weather takes a turn and all you can yeah. do is run the ball. But the reality is Zach Wilson took a turn and they needed Streveler for that. And, Mike, um, the 49ers and the Jets would be really on parallel paths when you think about Trey Lance. Now, Trey Lance's was injury not being bad, but he wasn't good when, when he played this year for the 49ers and then got hurt, and suddenly they found out what they had in Brock, Brock Purdy. I really wish that Mike White hadn't gotten hurt just to see what this Jets team would have done with him. Maybe he's your quarterback. Maybe he's your Brock Purdy, the guy that you're going to ride with into the future. Maybe you find out something about that guy. Maybe you get into the postseason with him. But he did get hurt. That's the reality. And what you found out was Zach Wilson isn't the guy. So now what do we do? Is Mike White our future? Is Do we roll with that next year as him as our starter, or do we go get Jimmy Garoppolo or make a run at Tom Brady or whatever the case may be? So that to me is you've seen the 49ers go one direction because Brock Purdy's done what he's done, uh, and the Jets have not gone the direction that the 49ers have gone, which is as a Super Bowl contender and one of the Super Bowl favorites. Now, the 49ers defense, I'll, I'll grant you, is way better than the Jets defense. It's the best defense in football, and they've kept them in a lot of games. They kept them in every game, and so that's been a big difference for the 49ers, but I do think this Jets team is good enough that if you had a Brock Purdy on it, you would be headed toward the postseason, and maybe if you even had Mike White healthy, you'd be headed toward the postseason. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. 
pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. I said before the season started, the best the Jets could hope for this year as a practical matter was six or seven wins, build some confidence, lay the foundation to be a potential playoff contender in 2023. And that schedule they had to start the season was murderer's row. I said time and again, who did they piss off at the league office to get this schedule? It was the second straight year where all their tough games were early and their supposedly easy games were later. But what happened was... They exceeded expectations early. They created a sense that this team is destined to get a playoff spot. And when you get the fan base and specifically ownership thinking that way, and then the air comes out of the balloon and everyone is left with a, with a major disappointment, that, that's one of the ingredients of ownership thinking. Do I just need to press the reset button? Do I just need to clean house? Do I just need to move on? Do I just need to go get a new GM and a new head coach and a new quarterback. Let the new regime figure out what to do. Eventually, I'll hire a GM and a coach who will find a quarterback who can get it done. But it's quite possible Woody Johnson's end result on this is none of the above. I don't want anyone, none of these people, everyone responsible for this disaster we've seen this year. Created by the fact that they did so well early, that everyone responsible for it is going to be gone and we're going to start over. We just won't know. And we can't know until it happens. But these are things we need to to be thinking about if this continues for the Jets. Let's hear a little from Zach Wilson on his performance on Thursday night and the reality that he was booed and they were chanting, we want Flacco at one point. Here's Wilson after his rough night at home. I just got to, you know, put my head down and just try and get better, you know, for these guys. And, you know, that's kind of my message to them out there is, you know, I'm trying to give them everything I got. I'm trying to lay it out there for you guys. And, and it's not good enough, and I got to put them in a better position. Yeah, it is, you know, and, and that's why I got to look myself in the mirror. I got to go back and I got to watch this tape and just, and, you know, you got to you got to be hard. You got to be hard on yourself and just say, you know, why are we why are we not moving the ball? And that starts with me. Why? What am I doing that I got to help this team be in a better position to move the ball? You know, whatever it is, it's got to got to figure it out. Is it tough hearing the boos? Yeah, it is, you know, but. <laughs> Don't blame them. We have we have a very passionate fan base, and, and they're here to score. They're here to watch us score touchdowns, and we're not scoring touchdowns. We're not we're not getting first downs. We're not moving the ball. We, you know, we obviously can't throw the ball. So, um, of course, they're going to be frustrated. Look, a little more self awareness than we got from him when he was asked if he feels any responsibility to the defense for how bad the offense was against the Patriots, and he said no. But this is bad, and he's human. It's rough to go through this. This is one of the realities of being the New York Jets quarterback. But, Shireen, it, it's just not there. It's not working. And I, I hate to think that the only true wake-up call he's ever going to get is if he's gone. That sometimes – I remember when the Vikings were struggling with 
Blair Walsh as their kicker. He was great as a rookie. And then after he missed that chip shot against the Seahawks in the playoffs, he just lost it. And I think the Vikings decided we're going to stick with him because eventually he's going to get it back and we want him to get it back with us. We don't want the indignity of being cut to be the thing that resets him. Reset was the magic word with Zach Wilson several weeks ago. If it resets the only way by cutting him or trading him, but that may be what it takes. And it gets back to what I said earlier. Do what's right for the kid. The kid needs a new environment. The kid needs a new organization. The kid needs a new team and a fresh start. That's the only way he's going to wake up. It's like Chris Carter. Remember, now Chris Carter had different issues. He was a great player, but he needed the the bucket of ice water over the head, a la Deion Sanders and Tim McCarver. He needed that to get his life in order. And I think Zach Wilson may need that to get his football life in order. I really do. And I hope the Jets do the right thing for the human being. Admit that we have failed. He has failed. We all have failed. And we're just going to move on. And maybe it's to a team, Mike, that has a veteran quarterback where he can sit behind and learn, a la Jordan Love, just sit back for a year or two and and see what happens. I don't know that anybody's going to count on Zach Wilson being their starter next year after what you've seen this year, even if you had him highly rated coming out of the draft. And, hey, the Jets weren't the only team that had him highly rated coming out of BYU. There were other teams that had him highly rated coming out of BYU. As I think you wrote this week, it wasn't like when the Jets picked him, everybody goes, oh, my gosh, how could you spend the number two overall pick on Zach Wilson? So there were other teams that thought highly of Zach Wilson. But still, I don't know that there's going to be a team out there that's going to say, yeah, Zach Wilson can be our starter next year. Let's just take a flyer on him and see if it was all the Jets and he's really a good quarterback. I don't know that that's going to happen. And maybe it serves him best to go to a place where he can sit and learn for a year and, and see what happens after that. I don't know. I don't know what the future for Zach Wilson is. And, but I just don't know if there's going to be a team out there that's going to say, yeah, let, let's, make, let's go sign Zach Wilson or trade for Zach Wilson or however that works out. The Jets obviously would have to eat a bunch of that money. But let's see what we can get with Jack, Zach Wilson as our quarterback. I don't know that any team's going to do that. Even a team like this year, like the Panthers, were desperate to find that quarterback. I don't even know if they would do that. Before we move on to the Jaguars, and we are getting the I got an email from our friend Wolfie, who was watching in the U.K., 30 minutes into the show and not one mention of how good the Jaguars were. We're getting there, Wolfie. Jaguars are good. We are getting there. Jaguars were good, and we've praised Doug Peterson. That counts as part of the first 30 minutes of the show, Wolfie, so hopefully you didn't step away and miss that. It was short. You may have blinked and missed it. Who knows? Um, but, Streveler, as exciting as it was, we played the clip earlier. He had C.J. Uzama wide open for a touchdown. Yeah. And it was a very athletic maneuver by <laughs> Uzama to just catch the ball. The play is coming up here in this pack. This is when Streveler came in does the read option, takes off with the football, psyched out the camera, then, you know, throwing some passes, working the ball down the field, creating some excitement, whether it was real or whether it was just Bronx cheer style. But Uzama, wide open, wide open. He hits him anywhere remotely in stride. That was the play there. That's a touchdown. 
because they showed a replay of it at one point. There was nobody behind Uzama. Nobody. And great by Uzama to catch the ball. So Strebler's not the answer. It was fun last night while it lasted. It didn't last long. Strebler's not the answer. It's going to be somebody else. Right, right. And now, they did. I want to say this. I want to say this. They got screwed by that phantom stoppage. I still don't know what that stoppage was on third and one. And I feel like I should ask the league at some point. I was wondering whether there would be a pool report. Why did they stop the game on third and one? Because as Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet said, it looked like all the substitutions had been made. It wasn't an ATC timeout for a medical check that I know of. They didn't say that. What was the reason for the stoppage? I need to remember that. I need to make a note to myself. I need to tie a string around my finger a la Uncle Billy and It's a Wonderful Life. So I'll remember to ask the NFL why the game was stopped on that third and one. All right. um, Jaguars. Congratulations to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought they were over. I thought they were done. They are now seven and eight. And even though that doesn't put them in great position for a wild card berth, it doesn't matter because they are in the AFC's answer to the NFC South, which coincidentally is the AFC South where – under 500 may get you into the postseason because the Titans are sinking, the Jaguars are rising, and the way the Jaguars sit now, they just have to be one game behind the Titans going into Week 18, and that game is for all the marbles because the Jaguars stunned the Titans a week and a half ago as part of this winning streak they're now on. Three straight wins for the Jaguars for the first time since 2017. Back-to-back road wins. I mean, things that this team just hasn't done they're getting it done, and it all goes back to, Shereen, as you said, Doug Peterson, and also the ascension of Trevor Lawrence becoming the guy that yeah. we thought he would be when he was the first pick and the guy that Zach Wilson has yet to be as the second pick. Yeah, and I'd say right now the Jaguars are the favorites in the division because of what's happened in Tennessee with the loss of Ryan Tannehill. I have no faith in Malik Willis to go in there and lead that team. to post- Look, the Titans may very well lose to the Texans this week. I am not going to be at all surprised if that happens because you look at what the Texans have done over the last two weeks. Believe it or not, a one-win team is playing really, really hard right now. Should have beaten the Cowboys. Sh- should have or could have, whatever word you want to use there, beat the Chiefs, lost in overtime last week. This is not going to be a gimme game for the Titans in any way, shape, or form, and I'm not going to be surprised, Mike. In fact, I, I probably would pick the Texans to beat the Titans this week. So I'm Jaguars are in great position right now to get into the postseason. And if they do, you look at where they, what kind of streak they'll be on when they get there. They'll be playing really good football at the right time. They're not a team that you would want to play in the postseason, I don't think, with the way they're playing right now. Can we please put the graphic back up of the playoff picture in the AFC? Because I want to make sure that I am reasonably close to being moderately correct when I begin to rattle off the possibilities for the Jaguars if they end up winning the division and then end up in the four seed. And as I as I filibuster, there it is. They would be hosting right now as it stands Baltimore in the wild card round. That did they now let's see, I've got my their schedule up. Didn't they play Baltimore this year and did they beat Baltimore? They beat Baltimore 28-27. to 27. So um, how do I forget that? It's all starting to blur together. Whether it's the Ravens, whether it's the Chargers, whether it's the Dolphins, that's who would go to Jacksonville if the Jaguars win the division. They could win 
yeah, at home absolutely. in the wild card round. Unlike the Buccaneers, who, I, but again, I don't rule out Tom Brady ever, but Cowboys-Buccaneers, most people would assume the Cowboys would win that game. I think the Jaguars can win in the wild card round, and then they'd have to go to Buffalo. And uh, who knows? Who knows? I This is a team, and we say this every year. Somebody gets hot around Thanksgiving. They win enough games to get in, and they carry that postseason mindset into the postseason. And if you go play the one seed after winning a playoff game and after winning all those games to get yourself in position to get in the playoffs in the first place, and you're taking on a team that hasn't played in 14 days, man, that's an advantage. You're loose. No one expects anything. You're supposed to lose. The other team's maybe a little flat-footed. You catch them with an uppercut, and the next thing you know... You, you do what the Jaguars did to the Broncos, Shereen, back in 1996. Exactly. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually there, I think, for that game. Well, you think about what the Jaguars did the last time they were in the postseason, Mike. They, they made it to all the way to the uh, AFC Championship game. They surprised some people because they were playing really well that year. So they have a chance. They have a chance to do some damage in the postseason. Jaguars actually should have been in the Super Bowl. In 2017, I know Jaguars fans have been waiting patiently for us to say good things about their team, but that game was a 10-point lead for the Jags in the fourth quarter. There was a fumble that was missed in real time by the officials. It was the same thing that happened to the Vikings on Saturday with the Chandon Sullivan touchdown. You can overturn the ruling on the field that a player was down by contact, award possession to the defense if there is clear and obvious evidence of a clear recovery by the defense, but that's it. You don't get the return because it was Miles Jack, if I recall correctly, that scooped that ball up and took it to the house. And it would have been a 17 point lead for the Jaguars in Foxborough without nearly enough time for even the Patriots and Tom Brady to come back. Although they probably if it makes you feel any better, Jags fans, even if you'd been up 17 in that game, the Patriots probably would have found a way to come back and win it. So I I am pleasantly surprised. And this balances it out because it's been a rough year for Chris Sims with Zach Wilson, because Chris was one of the A number one top Zach Wilson supporters, and he was not alone. This wasn't just some wild take. People saw potential greatness in Zach Wilson, his high-end performances at the college level. I mean, people are going to get dragged for comparing him to folks like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, but he showed that kind of potential. It just hasn't translated. But Chris was also all over the Jaguars, and it looked like he was going to be wrong there. Because they started the season 2-0, and and then they were in Philly, I think at 2-1 and or 2-0, and I can't remember. Again, don't expect me to remember three months ago. But they were up 14 nothing, and that fell apart, and it felt like they fell apart. And it took them a while to get going again. And as Trevor Lawrence says, it was that game in, in London, the loss to the Broncos, that woke him up. And, and it was win one, lose one, win one, lose one, and now they've won three in a row and they're on their way. And I, I look, this is nothing against the Titans, but I, I look at it this way. Tennessee, you had your chance. You had your chance. You were running away with it. You were lapping the field, and you blew it. So step aside and let the hot team in. We don't want the diminished team that is just barely getting in by the skin of their teeth with a backup quarterback. We don't want that for the playoffs. We want the best teams. And right now, unfortunately – for the Titans, the Jaguars are the best team in the AFC South. So that's why, you know, Titans fans are going to be like, well, what's wrong with us? What did we do? Well, you didn't seize your opportunity to take the division when you could. Now there's a better team. 
It's kind of like why people want to see the Lions in, in the NFC. We want the best teams in. We want the best football games. We don't want 19-3 to in a playoff game. We don't want a team that is sinking, that just manages to hold on and then get their ass kicked the next week. We want a team that's on the rise. And the Jaguars are clearly that team in the AFC, Sheree. Yeah, there's absolutely no question about that. And as I mentioned earlier, Mike, I, I, Doug Peterson now is in that coach of the year consideration with what they've done over the second half of the season because they are playing really, really well. And he's got them turned around and he has Trevor Lawrence looking like a Pro Bowl quarterback the way he's played over the last few weeks. And that's really been the difference for this team. But I, I admit I had not seen very many Jaguars games up until the last two weeks. And now the last two weeks I've seen every single play. And I've been very impressed. That comeback last week against Dallas to me was the most impressive game um, one of the most impressive games that I've seen this season, just the way they had the will to come back from, from 17 down against a really good team and a really good defense. And look, Mike, they had over 500 yards against a Cowboys defense that we, we think is pretty, pretty good. Uh, and they just rolled over that Cowboys defense in the second half. So, yeah, to me, they're, they're a contender in the AFC. I don't think you can rule them out from that, the way they're playing right now. And, and I think Doug Peterson's in that Coach of the Year conversation. And, you know, the fact that they won that game down 17, they did to the Cowboys what the Patriots would have had to do to them in the 2017 AFC Championship game and went to overtime, had to play extra football and then had to turn around and play on the road on a Thursday night. That's one of the reasons why I thought the Jets were going to win. And that makes what they did last night, Wolfie, if you're still watching, and hopefully you are in the U.K., that makes it even more impressive that they were able to pack it up, take it to New York, short week, crappy night, almost said the other word. If we weren't live in the U.K., I would have said it, and, and, and got the win and got it. Fairly impressively. I mean, look, the story of the day is what the hell did the Jets do with Zach Wilson? But the reality is the Jaguars came, they saw, and they conquered. And now uh, I, I, I hope they get in. It's going to be fun to watch. You know, before the season, if someone had said to you, oh, the Jaguars are going to be playing the wild card round, or like during the season, you'd be like, roll your eyes, who cares? This is now a team you want to watch. As you said, yeah. this, this, is, this team is morphing into appointment viewing. And it's hard to get past the uniforms. It's like with the Bengals last year. It was hard to accept the Bengals as a good team because you're so used to looking at the, the orange and black helmet and the uniform and think, that's a bad team. Why do I want to watch this team? I want to watch a good team. That's part of the mental gymnastics, Shireen, we're going to have to do as the Jaguars. When they, when they made that old two-tone helmet, look pretty good in 2017. Now they're making their kind of old school uniform, which, which looked pretty good last night. It's looking better and better every week. The, the Jaguars helmet and whatever uniform combination they have, when you win, all of a sudden that looks a lot better. Well, and it's like Al Michaels opened last night saying, when we looked at the schedule, who would have thought that the Jets and Jaguars would be a game that we'd want to watch? But it was going into last night. It was a game that I had on my list of games that I thought would be really good games. And it turned out the Jets didn't show up, so it wasn't quite as good as 
perhaps we all had hoped it would be, but I think the Jaguars made a statement in that game last night. They never gave the Jets any hope at all. Even when Strebler came in, I'm like, well, if they score a touchdown here, you know, they're within one score, but they never gave them that hope that they could come back in that game. It just never felt like the Jets from start to finish were going to win that game. And Jaguars did what they had to do, and kudos to them uh, going forward. Now they get a mini bye, Mike, which is huge at this point in the season. I remember when the schedule came out for Amazon, and that was one of the big points of interest. What quality of schedule will the NFL give to Amazon, given it's streaming only? And, you know, instead of 20 million people watching on Thursday night, they're going to be lucky to get 10. And it'll be interesting to see how many watched last night. But when I saw Week 16, Jaguars at Jets, I thought, that is the moment. And I, I've been there. I think we've all been there. Shereen, you were probably there about five years or so ago when you started working for PFT, where you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, what have I done? That would have been the what have I done moment <laughs> yeah. for Al Michaels when he saw that. Uh, so, And he still may have felt that way at times last night, but it, at least there was one team on the field that played worthy of qualifying for the postseason. Let's go ahead and take a break. We found a way. Very impressive, Shireen. We found a way to talk about that game for 53 minutes. When we return, we'll talk not quite as long about what was supposed to be the game of the week. Now who knows? We do know this. Minshew Mania is back. We'll talk Cowboys-Eagles when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 